The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Oh, and there's a little music to start us off here. Shereen Williams, Mike Florio, PFTPM, the Monday after week 13. What a week it was for TJ Watt. Let's put this in perspective. A week ago today, we were telling you He's on the COVID reserve list after testing positive. By Friday, we reported he had tested negative. By Saturday, he had tested negative again. He was activated, didn't practice all week, and had three and a half sacks. And Shereen, he quietly is on pace with 16 sacks, a career high, in only 10 games played this year for 24 if he plays in each of the next five and plays like he has in the first 10. 24 would be a record. A record with no Brett Favre-aided asterisk. That would be something if T.J. Watt would pull that off. Oh, no question, Mike. And he was terrific. And, I, you know, you didn't expect to see that after being on the COVID list. Guys don't just come off that COVID list and play like he played. He did it. He obviously was running around in his yard and trying to stay in shape. He's also taking the lead, Mike, in that Defensive Player of the Year category. I think he's ahead of Micah Parsons and, and Miles Garrett right at this moment. I would vote for him and have Miles second and Micah Parsons third. Of course, you only vote for one, but right now T.J. Watt would win my vote, and I think he would win most votes at this point. I think the real question is this. If he sets the record and the Steelers make the playoffs, and they're 0-2 when he doesn't play, does he get MVP yeah. votes? Yeah, you'd have to consider him, especially like there's no clear favorite right now, right? I mean, it would probably be Kyler Murray, but he missed three games and they went two and one in the three games he missed. So absolutely, I think you've got to consider him right now if they make the playoffs and if he plays like he's continued, like he's played all season in the 10 games that he's played. I think if the Cardinals get the one seed and the Steelers get in and Watt sets the record, and that's three fairly, I don't want to say huge ifs, but things got to line up just right. If that would happen... Maybe T.J. Watt. Now, if it's the Buccaneers is the one seed, Tom Brady's the MVP. Here's where it gets interesting. If the Packers are the one seed and if T.J. Watt yeah. sets the record, because that's when you're going to have this, oh, people aren't going to vote for Aaron Rodgers because he lied about his vaccination status. Well, you know, it gives the voters reasonable cover to snub Rodgers on the merits because T.J. Watt has done something historic. That's how Adrian Peterson Rested it away from Peyton Manning nine years ago. He almost broke the single-season rushing record. If T.J. Watt does break the single-season sack record, a record's been in place for 20 years. My God, it's been that long. I think if the Steelers make the playoffs, they, they have to make the playoffs. But if they make the playoffs and he does that, other than Tom Brady and the Bucks being the one seed and Brady then being the MVP, I think Watt's got a good chance. I think he's got a great chance, Mike. And if memory serves, three defensive players have won that award in history and one special teams player. Of course, that was Mark Mosley the year he won it. But it it would be significant. And I think it would take that, breaking that record and and doing it in a significant manner. And he's going to do it in under 17 games. So you can't say, well, it was done in 17 games because he's missed all those games. He's at 10 games right now. He's missed enough games. And I think if he does it, he's going to do it in less than 16 games, Mike. Alan Page in 1971 was the first, and Lawrence Taylor in 1986 was number two. And I still don't know. I still don't understand. And I can't that's comprehend it? How. Only two? That's it. Kicker Mark Mosley okay. in 1982, the strike-shortened yeah. season of nine. Well, it kind of feels like J.J. Watt wanted at one point because they were trying so damn hard yeah, maybe that's it. to position him to do it. And, and, you know, what helped him was the splash of offense where he was getting some touchdowns, some, some attention that way. Uh, T.J., if he does it, is going to do it strictly defensively like Taylor and Alan Page did. Let's stay in the AFC North. There's some injury updates as we start to make our way toward week 14. Joe Burrow, the pinky, Jack Taylor, coach of the team, 
said today that he doesn't expect Burrow to miss any time. Burrow himself has said he doesn't expect to miss any time. It was kind of a strange situation. I noticed at one point, and I think I texted the PFT chain, when Burrow was sitting on the sideline with his hand in a trash can. It's like, what in the world was that? It happened on that play, the strip sack in the first quarter early in the game, banged up the pinky, dislocated the pinky, and uh, bothered him the rest of the game. And Drew Brees did a great job last night explaining how important the pinky is to throwing the football. Not important to a guy like Ronnie Lott, who amputated part of his pinky once upon a time so he could play in a game. But when you stretch your hand out to grip a football, having that pinky stabilizes the grip as you put the, the force and the torque and the spin on the ball. So the pinky's important. And Burrow says he's going to be fine. I wouldn't expect him to say anything otherwise. We'll just have to see how the week unfolds. Well, and we've seen so many players in recent years have those hand injuries, Mike. It's just so easy to hit your hand on something on your follow-through. You know, we saw it with Matthew Stafford uh, a few years ago, and then again this year a little bit. And, and it, you know, we've seen it with Russell Wilson this year. With the, You know, there's so many players, so many quarterbacks we've seen have these injuries on their throwing hands. Now, he tried several different things. He tried taping it. He tried a couple different gloves. Finally just shedded all that and said he was in a lot of pain, but he played through it. He'll have time this week to figure out what works for him. That's the good news. Whether it's a pain-killing shot, whether it's a a splint of some sort, tape, a glove, whatever it is, he can experiment all week and to see what really works for him. I'm sure they'll limit him in practice. That's what uh, Zach Taylor said today. But when he gets out in that game, he'll know what to do, what's going to work for him. And it worked just fine. I know he's in a lot of pain, but it worked just fine in the game uh, after he injured his hand. Huge game coming up this weekend for the Cincinnati Bengals as they host the San Francisco 49ers. Rematch of Super Bowls 16 and 23. 23? 23? Yes, 23. 24 was... 23. 49ers, Broncos, forgettable, disastrous, ugly, awful game. 55 to (laughs) negative 10, I think it was. But, uh, yeah, 49ers, Bengals get together. Huge game for the Bengals because they can't lose many more before they start sliding and slipping away from playoff position. The Ravens still holding first place in the AFC North by virtue of the Bengals losing. The Ravens lost to the Steelers, obviously, yesterday. Marlon Humphrey out for the season with a torn pec. There was a report yesterday that it was believed to be a shoulder, and I poked around on it. It's like we really don't know what it is until we do the MRI. So it turned out it was a pec, not a shoulder. There's a lot of different things that going on in that shoulder area that it could have been. Pectoral muscle torn, Marlon Humphrey done. And, you know, this is the time of year where guys are going to continue to drop. And the chances of them making it back are going to be slimmer and slimmer with fewer and fewer weeks left in the season. The the teams that have the most depth, the teams that can coach up whoever's available to play, the teams that can take advantage of the absence of key players on the other side of the ball and maybe target the replacement, those are all things that factor into this stew that, that is an extended war of attrition, Shireen, with 17 games now. Just more opportunities for guys to miss the postseason or the balance of the year when we get to these games that are very high stakes down the stretch? I'll say first, I still like the Ravens' chances simply because they have John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. That gives them a chance. But, boy, some years it just feels like it's not your year. That feels like this year for the Ravens. When you think about it, they've lost now seven starters for the season. He's the third in the secondary. They only have one guy left from the beginning of the season who was a starter in that secondary. 25% of their cap is on IR. 17 total players on IR. It's just been one injury after another for this team all year long. If they can overcome all of this... And win some playoff games, even get to, say, the AFC Championship game, I think it's going to be a very successful year for the Ravens. I know they have bigger aspirations. But, boy, Mike, when you have all those injuries, it sometimes just becomes so hard to overcome as many injuries as what they've had. It's a testament to their coaching staff, the belief they have, the unwillingness to feel sorry for themselves and continue to hold to a very high standard and just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, they came within a whisker of getting to 9-3 and three yesterday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now they have to pick up the pieces and move on. And that's the thing. As everyone's clustered together, boy, every game, every yeah. week means so much more in December than it would in a normal year. Kareem Hunt should be ready to go for Sunday for the Cleveland Browns. And Kevin Stefanski, coach of the team, actually 
says he'd consider putting Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the field together. I joked earlier that I'm fine with that as long as one of them's playing quarterback. And again, that's a joke. Baker Mayfield, <laughs> maybe he'll be yeah. maybe he'll be just fine after the week off to heal himself. They have the Ravens. The second half of and I don't like this. I don't like this. Browns play the Ravens, have their bye, play the Ravens again. I, I just don't like it. With a 17-week season, you'd like to think yeah. that you would space out the two games against a division rival more than 15 days apart, especially with a bye in between. I do like the way we have the backloaded the division games. I do like that, Mike, but I agree with you. There shouldn't be – you play them, you have a bye, you play them again. That's just not enough time in between the two games. Now, the Cowboys, for instance, play Washington, have another game, then play Washington again. I don't necessarily mind that. I do like these division games at the end, but having the bye in between, that just, something just doesn't seem right about that, playing them basically two, two games in a row. It's supposed to happen last year for the Dolphins or the Jets as they yeah. played each other. I think it was the Jets playing Dolphins, then by then Dolphins, but it got moved around as they did the COVID reshuffling early in the year when you could manipulate bye weeks to allow games to be played. And uh, so it didn't actually happen last year, but it is happening, obviously, this weekend. Let's pivot now to what happened on Sunday during the games. And it dawned on I me, mean, I don't know that the Panthers meant to do this if they did then bravo they have found a new place to dump bad news and it's not friday at five o'clock it is during the wave of games that get played every sunday during the nfl season so the sunday of your bye week you're off there's a bunch of games being played you fire your offensive coordinator you announce it at 20 minutes after one o'clock eastern joe brady and the panthers have parted ways i.e Brady got fired. Matt Rule, the coach of the Carolina Panthers, who may be next, frankly, when the season ends. That's one of the big takeaways that some observers have made from this. Here's Matt Rule talking today about why the decision was made now, halfway through the bye, to let Joe Brady go. This was something that I felt like, uh, from a football perspective, um, we needed to do now. So as we move forward, you know, I'm going to count on our offensive staff. Um, to be very focused day by day, week by week. You know, everyone's kind of assigned an area um, previously, you know, third down red zone to, to game plan and kind of be in charge of. So they'll continue to be in those areas. Uh, Jeff Nixon will assume uh, uh, responsibility, you know, the duties of the offensive coordinator position. Uh, he'll call the plays in conjunction with those guys. Obviously, as with everything in the organization, I'll, you know, I'll oversee those guys and hope that, uh, you know, we can play our best football as we move forward. What was kind of the main thing you landed on when you were coming to your decision and, and why make it now with five weeks left? Well, I think, uh, the, the, you know, uh, the, the decision was made, and so I, I didn't see any reason to, to wait. You know, I, I, I felt that this was the right move. And it was just purely football. I think, um, um, you know, that this was, uh, this was in the best interest of us moving forward. I feel like we can play better on offense. Uh, that's not about any one person or any one thing, but I just um, feel like uh, you know th th this was the best way that I can help us move uh, this forward offensively. Um, and uh, as I said, you know I'm going to count on the the coaches that we have, the players that we have. You know we've got to we've got to coach uh, our best and play our best these coming weeks. But I thought with the bye week that this was the appropriate time. Well, the appropriate time for the bye week would have been the day after their yeah. most recent game to give Jeff Nixon 13 days to get an offense ready for the Panthers' next contest. There's something very bizarre about this happening halfway through the two-week break. And I understand it's a very cold and heartless business. I get it. But, boy, the nonchalance of Matt Rule. Like, like, like a, uh, somebody's being bad. He got fired. He got fired. This isn't... We're trying a different quarterback. This isn't, I'm going to have the play-calling duties shift from this guy to this guy. This is, the play-calling duties are going away from this guy because he's going away. He's gone. A guy that was one of my original hires fewer than two years ago, on my way through the door. I have fired him after a season and a half. And it really just makes you wonder, what's the story behind the story? Was there an issue with... Joe Brady and Cam Newton. Remember when they embraced Cam Newton? I said, look, this is less about teaching Cam Newton Joe Brady's offense and more about adapting Joe Brady's offense to Cam Newton. 
And maybe Joe Brady was yeah. just never all in with yeah. Cam Newton, right? I don't know. But there's got to be a story, Shereen, because this doesn't happen in the midpoint of your two-week window between games when you're on a bye. Well, it does. It did. Well, but some, it's weird. It's, something smells about this so strong because you're right. You would have done it on Monday after your last game to give Jeff Nixon time. Now, they could have told Jeff Nixon, hey, don't say anything. We're going to make this move, whatever. But at that point, why aren't you telling Joe Brady? Why are you waiting? If that was the case, why are you waiting? And then he says, Matt Rule says, well, we tried to get him on Saturday, but he couldn't come in till Sunday. Something doesn't add up with that either, Mike. So I don't know what the real story is with, with Joe Brady's firing, which is what it was. You think about how good Joe Brady was with Joe Burrow. Great quarterback makes you a really good play caller. Since then, he's had Teddy Bridgewater, he's had Sam Darnold, and now Cam Newton. And who knows if he was all in on Cam Newton or not, whatever the case may be. But he's fired, and he gets an opportunity now to go somewhere else. I still think he can be not only a great coordinator, I think Joe Brady can be a great head coach, and I think he's destined for that. Maybe he goes back and works for Sean Payton. That's his mentor. He can go back with Sean with the Saints. I tell you what, if I'm in their division, I don't want Joe Brady back with Sean Payton. They are really, really good together. Hey, it may have just been a preemptive strike by Matt Rule so he wouldn't get fired and have Joe Brady take over down the stretch. And I'm being cynical there, but that's the way this game is. I mean, how ridiculous it is to envision a conversation that would have gone like this. Matt Rule calling Joe Brady, saying, "Hey Joe, you know I need you to come in. Well, you know I'm washing my car. Uh, you know I'm really I'm, I'm watching I'm watching the Alabama I'm watching the Alabama uh, Georgia game, and uh, you know I really I can, can I you know I'll get like can we you. just do this tomorrow? Like yeah, no, no, Joe, this is fairly important. Like it, look, I, I don't know what day between last Sunday and this most recent Sunday they decided that they were going to fire Joe Brady, but my guess is at some point." it was made late enough in the week that they just decided to kick the can to Sunday and somebody had the bright idea that we will have minimal focus, minimal frenzy, minimal hysteria if we announce it during the games. It's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I don't think they set out to do it, but at some point – during the week, they realized they were going to do it, and somebody suggested, let's just do it during the game. <coughs> and, and again, bravo. It's just, like, just like they've been looking for ways to put new pizza in cheese, they have found a new way to put bad news on the radar screen at a time when we won't notice it. So kudos to the folks in Carolina. Um, real quickly on Antonio Brown. He's got to miss two more games under the suspended list because of his fake vaccination card. And... Bruce Arians coached the team when Brown was signed last year, told Peter King that if he screws up one time, he's gone. Now it's been more than a year. He wasn't, I, I was very, very disappointed on Friday that Arians wasn't asked that question. And sometimes force of personality from a coach, he came out and he talked about it and he addressed it. And nobody ever circled back and said, here's what you said, October of 2020 to Peter King. Why would we expect any different outcome now? You said he screws up one time, he's gone. They did make it clear they aren't going to make a decision. They haven't made a decision. I'm told they are considering cutting Antonio Brown. I just think at the end of the day, if Tom Brady wants him, Tom Brady probably (coughs) is going to find a way to keep him. No question, Mike. TB wants AB. So BA wants TB. So BA will put up with AB to make TB happy, right? So... In other words, if Tom Brady wants Antonio Brown on the roster, and I think he does, I think we all know that, he's made that quite clear, then Antonio Brown is going to be on the roster. Mike, there's something really special about winning back-to-back championships. It makes you special. You're a special part of history. Winning one is hard. Winning back-to-back championships is harder. If Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are able to do this, they have a special place in history. I know Tom Brady already has a special place in history, but imagine him being the last quarterback to do it with New England and now doing it with Tampa Bay. It's just a different place in history than winning one. And I think their chances are much improved if they have Antonio Brown on their roster to do that. 5-0 and with him this year. And 
Brady was asked for the first time about the Antonio Brown suspension after yesterday's game, and he was very, very nonchalant, more so than Matt Rule when talking about firing Joe Brady. The attitude was, (laughs) you know, all I'm worried about is my job, and you're going to have players who aren't available due to injury. That's just how we're viewing it. You know, nothing about we had a guy come in here and gave us a fake vaccination card and lied to everybody and endangered Bruce Arians, who's a three-time cancer survivor, and endangered Tom Moore, who's 83 freaking years old and is directly in the demographic that can die from this. Uh, I, I don't sense any of that because you know what? At the end of the day, Tom Brady doesn't care about that. He cares about getting ring number eight. I'm, I'm not making a judgment here, but it's the truth. Has he done anything – that would make us think at any point during his 20 years in the NFL that he cares about anything other than winning and winning and winning. Antonio Brown wouldn't be on the team if Tom Brady didn't care about anything other than winning. They never would have brought him there if this wasn't about winning football games, Shereen. Oh, no question, Mike. That's exactly why he's there. He's there to win football games. And we, we all know that Bruce Arians wasn't all in on this move, but Tom Brady obviously talked him into it. He lived at Tom Brady's house for a spell. This is the guy that Tom Brady wanted on the roster, and he's the only reason that he's on the roster and still on the roster even now, Mike. One thing I don't know, and, and I looked for it and didn't find it, and maybe the question was asked, I am curious, when exactly did Antonio Brown get vaccinated? Because they say he's vaccinated now. At what point did he go get vaccinated? Do we know the answer to that? No, but I, I think that I can make an educated, commonsensical guess based upon the way that Antonio Brown's mind operates. When he started to find out that Stephen Ruiz, the former live-in chef who was stiffed out of ten grand allegedly, and was starting to rattle the cage and make it known that he's going to say something to somebody yeah. about this, A.B. thought that if he got vaccinated, it would make it fine. I could see him thinking, if I just get vaccinated, oh, no it's fine. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't make it that I submitted a fake vaccination card if I get vaccinated. So my guess is he ran out and did it then. And my guess is other players who had fake vaccination cards, and there surely are others, and the NFL does not care about finding them. I don't, look, they're mad at me for saying this. I, I don't care. They don't care about finding whether or not others have done it. Because if they did care, they'd be doing elsewhere what they did in Tampa. When it falls into their lap, then they do something about it. When it's gift wrapped by Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times with everything they need to know, with the blueprint for finding out that Antonio Brown had a fake vaccination card, and along the way, Mike Edwards and John Franklin III fell into their laps too, then they'll do something. They're not going to be proactive about it. They don't want to know. They don't want to spend the money. They don't want to spend the time. They don't want to do it. And yesterday, they, they leaked just enough to Shefty, and the way he phrased it created this vague impression that they care about it and they're doing something about it. I reject that. That's false. They don't care. They're not doing it. And they're making it worse because they're trying to create the impression they did something. This idea that, well, we checked to see the percentage of guys who are vaccinated on site, 80% of all vaccinations on site, 20% vaccinated off site. There's no difference in the positive rate between the 80 on site and the 20 off site. So we assume there's no problem. That makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. Either guys submitted fake vaccination cards or they didn't. And those 20% who got it off-site, those are the ones who should be vetted. And if you cared about it, you'd do it. And if you don't do it, only logical conclusion, Shireen, they don't care. Sorry. It, it, it just it, 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 BS pisses me off. And they're feeding us BS well, on this. It, and, and they don't care. And they don't the- care about the problem. Well, you can tell from going back to the Aaron Rodgers situation, they don't care. I mean, it started with that. They don't care about that. That fell under their laps, too, when he tested positive. You had the best suggestion, and it's probably too late now to do it. Maybe not. But to have an independent COVID, whatever you want to call him, director in each team facility, make sure they're following the rules and doing the right things and checking the vaccine cards. You have 32 guys that do that around the league and you would have the rules followed. And perhaps, Mike, you would have fewer COVID cases than we're seeing now. And uh, you're absolutely right, too, about Aaron Rodgers. He'd still be showing up for press conferences without a mask on indoors if he hadn't tested positive he'd still be going out and about green bay whenever he felt like it gathering with teammates in violation of the COVID protocols if he hadn't tested positive and antonio brown if he had just paid stephen ruiz what he owed him antonio brown would be hobnobbing with the vaccinated 
thanks to his fake vaccination card, and so would Mike Edwards. Somebody texted me over the weekend, oh, I feel bad for Mike Edwards. He got caught up in this. Like, why the hell do you feel bad for him? He submitted a fake vaccination card, too. I, I, feel, I only feel yeah. bad for those guys because there are 31 other teams where there are guys who should be getting the same damn punishment, and the league doesn't care enough to investigate. And I, I, let me repeat, and I don't care if they're mad at me. NFL, you don't care enough about spotting fake vaccination cards and eradicating the problem of players who are lying about they're actually vaccinated, being around people who are vaccinated, including staff members who may be at risk. You don't care about it. If you did, you would vet the cards, the fake ones that you may already have out of the 20% of the guys who are vaccinated offsite. All right, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to take a, uh, I'm going to take a break. And if they let me return a little Monday afternoon, quarterback, some curious decisions. How did they go and why did they go wrong? We'll discuss that next on PFTPS. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Jackson in the gun. Freeman stands to his right. Freeman gets a fake. Big rush. He throws it. It is a draft by Mark Andrews. Hit one hand on it. Out in the right flat and it dropped the ball. And the Steelers preserve a victory with 12 seconds to go. And wow! How about that stuff? That was something. I was in position getting ready for a little hit on football night in America, watching it on my phone. And I'm glad my microphone was off because I I shouted a word that probably would have gotten us in a lot of trouble if my microphone had been on at that moment Um, because I couldn't believe it as the ball popped off the hand of Mark Andrew. And great job by T.J. Watt to stay home, to not bite on the run fake. Mike Tomlin said today they expect to pass in that setting, so that's one of the reasons why T.J. Watt went right at Lamar Jackson. But you know what? If T.J. Watt had bid on the handoff, Lamar Jackson could have just run the ball in, and maybe that's what he would have preferred to do uh, because if there's a clear path, he can get from point A to point B. But that was something, Shireen, a great way to end a great game in one of the NFL's great rivalries. Oh, boy, it sure was. And T.J. Watt yet again, he said, I'm going to go down in the in – the- statistics for that play but that play saved the game and kudos to tj watt for interfering with that play not biting on the play fake uh just a great play by him and i think it was the right play call by the team we can discuss whether it was the right decision or not but it's it it was a good play call it just didn't work out because of tj watt and maybe i guess you could second guess it by a not blocking tj watt and b maybe trying something on the other side away from him Let's hear a little from Ravens coach John Harbaugh and Steelers coach Mike Tomlin about that decision to go for two. What went into the decision-making to go for two instead of just... Try to win the game right there. We were pretty much out of corners, you know, at that point in time. So there's an opportunity to try to win the game right there. No, it did not. You know, they aggressively play analytics. Um, and, and so, you know, from that standpoint, they're predictable. I love that contrast because the way Tomlin explains that they were going to do it no matter what because that's what they do. That's how they do it. Harbaugh suggested that he considered a factor external to the question of whether conceptually and theoretically you should go for two in that spot. I don't want to go to overtime here because I don't have defensive backs, so if I lose the coin toss, the Steelers take the ball, I may not be able to stop them as they march down the field for the game-winning touchdown. So that, that's always been my point, and I know you and I, Shereen, are on the same page when it comes to analytics. Yep. It's part of the process, but the broader decision has to get made by virtue of factors like what happens as the game goes forward. Will we be able to win in overtime? And, and I just generally, in a spot like that, my preference is if I'm the home team, I'd rather go for one and play overtime at home. If I'm the road team... I'd rather go for two and win the game and not have to deal with overtime in my opponent's building, a place that's loud and raucous, and it's going to make it a little bit harder to win than if I was at home. Well, 
I know Tomlin said that's what analytics said, but actually that's not what analytics said to do. Analytics, I wanted to know what the analytics were in that situation. They're exactly a toss-up. Going for two, 47.1% chance to win the game. Kicking the ball, 46.5%. So a complete toss-up. To me, and I get, I'm John Harbaugh, I get his reasoning, but you have the best kicker in the NFL. You have Ben Roethlisberger on the other side of the ball who looked terrible for three quarters. I know he made some plays in the fourth quarter, but still, I think you have a chance there to kick the extra point, take it to overtime, see what the coin toss is going to do, and your kicker can kick it, as we know, from farther than any other kicker in NFL history. So, The past three seasons, Mike, teams are three for eight in that situation, down one in the fourth quarter. That's 37.5%. 10 of 23, 43% since 2000. So if you're looking at analytics, I'm not sure that was the right move to make. If you're making it simply because, hey, I'm out of cornerbacks and I don't think I can stop Ben Roethlisberger if they get the ball first, then – he made the right decision, but your coin toss is 50-50, right? So you had 50% chance to get the ball first and go down and let Justin Tucker kick a long field goal to win it for you. Here's where I reject analytics, because when you quote those numbers, those aren't developed based upon playing football games Correct. repeatedly at Heinz Field between these two teams. Correct. It is a broad blender. It is a broad stew of and, – and I don't know whose numbers those are – One team may have a different analysis, may build a different formula, have a different algorithm than another team. They may take things into consideration in shaping their overall analysis that other teams don't. It's not quite as simple as calculating the odds at a craps table. And that's one of the things years ago that I did the first time I was going to Nevada, I was going to Lake Tahoe, and I wanted to come up with a system to winning craps. And You look at every bet, and every bet, it's rigged just enough so over the long haul, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And your best bet at a craps table is to bet against the shooter, which is completely taboo. They don't like it. Don't bet on the shooter to lose. And God forbid that you're the shooter and you bet to lose. But my point is, those numbers are completely and totally inflexible. You aren't throwing the dice out in the elements. The felt is the same. The dice is the same. Everything is the same. You get into football numbers, and it, it, it quickly, I think, becomes unreliable. So uh, it, it is funny yeah. that it's at least a close call. Uh, but, hey, if it's a close call and you're concerned about your corners and Big Ben had a better day than we thought he was going to have, then it makes sense to do what they did. All right, let's move on to what the Minnesota Vikings did. They had a trio of three-point attempts on Sunday against the – Detroit Lions in a game where the Vikings trailed 20-6. to They came back, took the lead late, and obviously they blew the game on the final play. Here's Mike Zimmer from after the game talking about the Vikings' efforts on the two-point conversion tries. Yeah, they weren't very good, I didn't think. You know, we tried to run it in, smash it down their throats on the, from the one-yard line, and uh, and then we tried to hand the ball off to uh, Kanae. So those weren't, weren't the best. Well, and and this is a broader observation that I've made a couple of times as it relates to Mike Zimmer and also more generally. When your head coach is an offensive specialist, you basically have two offensive coordinators. And the the process of coming up with your two-point plays every week, you've got an extra chef, right? When the head coach is a defensive coordinator who completely delegates the offensive function, the more important of the two functions, completely delegates it, to his offensive coordinator, a guy who was in the right place at the right time when his dad decided to retire at a time when their hands were tied on going out and finding a new coordinator at a time when everybody's going to be on the hot seat. Frankly, I, I really do question the timing of Gary Kubiak retiring because he did it at a time that made it more likely his kid was going to get the job. When you don't have that depth of experience and knowledge and skill on the offensive side of the ball, and when your coach abdicates responsibility for the offensive side of the ball, Shereen, this is what you get. Shouldn't be surprised by it. Well, and here's what I hate, Mike, and this would have been my question, and maybe you can answer it. I, I didn't find where Mike Zimmer was asked this question, but why are you going for two points? Like, if they had kicked the three extra points, they would have won the game. Why were they going for two, especially in the third quarter? I realize you're down, but... 
why aren't you kicking the extra points? And that, that again, is my problem with analytics. Unless you absolutely positively need the, the two-point conversion at the end of a game, fourth quarter I'm okay with, but they tried the first one in the third quarter. Well, and a lot of it comes down to that analytics expert that most, if not all, teams currently have that has a hotline to the coach. And, you know, it very well may be that Mike Zimmer got to the point after being second-guessed internally, because this is what happens now. The analytics department is in a position to constantly communicate with ownership. It makes ownership less likely to be bamboozled by an old-school head coach who just throws around a bunch of football terms and the owner just sits there and keeps his or her mouth shut because they don't want to come off as stupid. They speak the language better with the analytics person. The analytics person arms the owner with things that can be said to the coach to get the coach to back down. And it very well could be that Mike Zimmer's attitude just was, screw it, I'm going to do whatever your your, uh, Ivy League graduate that has a pipeline to me during the game tells me to do. You tell me to go for two, I'm going to go for two. Now, the problem is you better have some better plays ready when you go for two. That, that's I remember Sean Payton explaining this to us at one of the Super Bowls uh, within the past couple of years. The idea that whether you go for two in a setting where maybe you should go for two is shaped by how many of your short yardage, goal line, two-point plays you've used in the game. What else do you have that you feel good about? What do you want to save for later? That's relevant as well. This isn't Madden where you just fall back to the, you know, the play that works yeah. for you when you need two yards. You got to have a look. You got to have a formation. You got to have a call that you think is going to work when you decide to go for two. And if you don't, don't go for two. And 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 I think that that's what Mike Zimmer maybe doesn't even realize because he. He better have a better selection. If he's just going to go for two because the analytics guy says go for two, you better have a good choice of plays when it's time to go for two. And don't blame anybody else. It's your call. You're the head coach. And if you don't want to run the ball in the middle of the line of scrimmage, well, get more involved in the offense then. Better have better plays or you better have Dalvin Cook. Do you remember? I think it was last year. It might have been two years ago. We were talking about almost this exact same situation And I didn't look up to see what it was, but I remember Dalvin Cook didn't play, and they tried Alexander Madison similar on a two-point play, and they didn't get it, and they ended up losing the game. Do you remember that game? I think it was last year, early in the year. Wasn't it that giant hole of – wasn't it that – I think that was the play. There was a play where the guy ran the wrong way, where there was a gigantic hole, and it wasn't Dalvin Cook. It was Alexander Madison. I, I don't know. It's so Madison. hard to remember. It was Madison. Oh, what, what they didn't have Cook. If he had, if he had yes. just gone the right way, it, it would have worked. And uh, I, I don't want to defame Alexander Madison. I'm going to have to look it up. But I remember some screwy thing like that, where it was just not great coaching and not taking into account that you don't have your best running back out on the field. Uh, their defense – was even more of a problem. And I'm telling you, look, the bell's yeah. starting to toll for Mike Zimmer. I, I'm, we, we would be foolish if we didn't point it out. And when you don't defend the goal line, when all the Lions have to do is get to the goal line to win the game, and when yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown tells me afterward, I was shocked that no one was within the four to five yards. Look at Look how far back 23 is. And, and where's Cameron Dantzler? He's, they don't have Herman Moore or Calvin Johnson. You don't need a hey Cameron. You don't need to guard the corner there. You, you got a guy who's going to run up and stop at the goal line and catch the ball and score a touchdown, and you're not disrupting that. And, and you know what? Take that away. Force Jared Goff to thread a needle. It's Jared Goff. Why would you take away the more difficult throw and give him the easier throw? Because he's going to make the easier throw. So this is all on Zimmer. And I, I suspect there was an awkward conversation at some point today between Mike Zimmer and someone last name a Wilf about yeah. what the hell happened in Detroit yesterday. Well, you were talking about when you're an offensive guy, you have two offensive coordinators. They have three defensive coordinators, which might be part of the problem. And Mike Zimmer is calling the plays. Fourth time the Vikings have lost this season on their opponent's final drive. And if you remember, Mike, they almost lost the Lions the first night, first time, if not for that 54-yard field goal. That only saved them the first. Otherwise, they could be the one team that's lost twice to the Detroit Lions. 
Lions had 14 plays in that final drive. The Vikings blitzed them one time, and when they blitzed them, the one time they blitzed them, Breland almost intercepted the ball. So why were you putting pressure on Jared Goff? You saw that he was not good under pressure. He hasn't been good under pressure all year. You got the fumble in the fourth quarter to get you back in the game. I just don't understand what they were doing on defense during that last drive. Yeah, hey, this is falling apart for the Vikings. And look, I'm very practical when it comes to assessing the Vikings. Their best case scenario was to get to the playoffs and get obliterated by the number two seed or the number three seed in the first round. So as it stands now, and hey, they can go get a chip on their shoulder because God forbid we're pointing out how bad they sucked yesterday. They got the Steelers on Thursday night. Maybe they win that. Maybe the Steelers are banged up and can't muster the will to go out and have another tough, hard-fought game after taking the Ravens to the wire, and then you got the Bears on a Monday night. The Vikings could get the 7-7 seven and seven and have a chance, but it's Rams, Packers, Bears after that. They're going to be on the outside looking in, I think, yeah. and Mike Zimmer's going to be on the outside looking in as well, and the Vikings, I, I predict, are going to be looking for a new head coach five weeks from today. Black Monday, yes, it's only five weeks away. We'll take a break. True or false when this Monday edition of PFTPM continues right after this. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. How do you handle the situation when you come in and, and do play well, but you're quote unquote back up and you know yeah. versus Jalen uh, and whether he'll come back and be the starter? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's you, when you're in there, you're the quarterback. You know, I don't think there's any. Um, you know, when you're in there, you're in there. I don't think you think of it as a backup or as anything else. You're just the guy, and um, I was grateful for the opportunity today. Would you like to be the starter? Yeah, I mean, I think anybody you know that's halfway competitive wants to play. Uh, that was, you know, that's that's what's fun. That's why you play the game. Um, but I know that whatever role I'm in, we'll give it 110 percent and uh, do whatever I can for the team. Gardner Minshew getting the win yesterday against the New York Jets. Let's get right to it. True or false? The Eagles have a better chance of making the playoffs with Gardner Minshew at quarterback instead of Jalen Hurts. What do you think? Well, I initially wanted to say true because I am a big Gardner Minshew fan. 39 touchdowns, 11 interceptions in his career. I would argue that the Broncos and the Panthers would be in a better position today in the postseason race if they had Gardner Minshew as their quarterback, but they don't. He should not be a backup quarterback. In fact, he's better than Trevor Lawrence. However, having said all that, today is the one-year anniversary, Mike, that the Eagles benched Carson Wentz and went with Jalen Hurts. I think they have to find out what they have in Jalen Hurts. I think they need to evaluate him. I think he needs to play postseason or no postseason. I think they need to find out if he's the quarterback for this team. But that's not the question. The question is, do they have a better chance of making the playoffs with Gardner Minshew? I feel like you want to say yes. I do want to say yes, because I do think he's the better quarterback. So I would say, to answer the question correctly, yes, I would say true. He's the better quarterback. I'm going to say false, because I think Gardner Minshew's always had a little bit of that fool's gold to him, where you get caught up in what he can do, and it peters out. As we saw last year in Jacksonville, they won in week one, and it fell apart after that. He Look... I, I still think they should have gotten more than a six-round pick for him, and I think he's a great guy to have around. Yes. I just don't know that you go all eggs in one basket with him, or somebody would have given more than a six-round pick to get Gardner Minshew. True or false, two NFC East teams will make the playoffs this year. I'm going true because Washington's on a roll, playing great with Taylor Heineke. He's playing great. They won four in a row. Right now they're the sixth seed. I'm going to go true. And I'm not so convinced that the Cowboys are the shoe-in to win the division. We're going to find out two of the next three weeks when these two teams play. But Washington firmly is in the conversation to win the division, Mike. Hey, look around the rest of the NFC right now. Is it nuts to think that the NFC East could have three teams. Now, they do a lot of cannibalization and cross-pollination yeah. and beating each other up down the stretch, but That's the I don't problem. know. This is this is this is bonkos 
every week is going to mean so much and can completely alter the landscape. And it could fall that it's all done by the time we get to New Year's Day. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be up in the air right until we get to Week 18. Two teams currently out of the playoffs in the AFC will make it. True or false? Let's see the list so we that so we know what we're saying is true or false. false. Two that are currently out. False? I'm going with we have the false. List. I think the Colts, I like the Colts' chances. They've been playing really well, Mike. I like their chances to make the postseason. I don't know that we're going to see the Steelers and Colts make it, and nobody else on that list to me does anything for me to say they're going to make it. They're just not playing good enough right now. Raiders are too up and down. The Browns are too up and down. I mean, I just, I, I think the, the Colts have the best chance right now of those teams who are out of the picture right Look now. At, of all those teams there, five of them are not getting in. And any of those yes. teams can be among the five who don't get in. There is a two game spread between the best and the worst of those yeah. teams. That, to me, is incredible, and it's Pete Rozelle's it dream is. come to full fruition for the NFL. The Chiefs' defense, not the offense, will carry them in the playoffs, true or false? Well, I have to go with true, Mike, based on what we've seen over the last seven games, right? The five-game winning streak, this defense is allowing 11.2 points per game. They have carried the offense. I love what this defense is doing and how they're playing, and it's amazing when you get a healthy Frank Clark and, and the rest of the defense is healthy, uh, what they can do. And they've been really, really good. And I think they're going to continue that. And I think they're the reason the Chiefs go as far as the Chiefs are going to go. The offense has got to play better than what they have. Patrick Mahomes has got to play better than what he has. Uh, and you know what? I, I don't know that the defense will carry them in the playoffs. I'll say the defense will carry them to the playoffs. To when the they get playoffs. to the playoffs, yeah. the offense had better wake up. And one guy that fascinates me is Josh Gordon. He started yesterday's game, participated in 13 snaps, had zero targets. They need him at some point, and they need Clyde edwards alaire to do more than he did yesterday. So uh, the defense is going to help get them there. But offense wins championships in today's NFL. If the Chiefs are going to win it, it's going to be because of their offense. Except when there's a crippling defense with a pass rush that swallows up a Patrick Mahomes. Then defense wins championships. But if the Chiefs are going to win it, it's going to be because of their offense. All right, real quickly, some names that have been added to the COVID-19 reserve list. Keenan Allen, the Chargers receiver, had a couple of touchdowns yesterday and threw the two-point conversion on the play that they call the Philly special. They need a better name than that. I mean, you can steal the play, but you can come up with your own name. Cam Jordan for the Saints placed on the COVID reserve list. And also Jordan Love tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, he won't be available to back up Aaron Rodgers Sunday night football, most likely. Now, the thing with vaccinated guys, we saw this last week, you can get back in theory. TJ Watt did it. Maybe Jordan Love will. Maybe these other two will, assuming they're all vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Ben Roethlisberger too, Mike. Those two guys for the Steelers got back really quickly. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll get you ready for Monday Night Football. Looks like it'll be a nice, calm, seasonable, warm evening in Buffalo or not. We'll be right back. <laughs> and check out Buffalo as we get ready for Monday Night's game between the Patriots and the Bills. I saw that the over-under dropped from 46 to 40.5. Windy, snowy, Buffalo in December, and this is the first meeting this year between the Bills and the Patriots. The gusts are predicted to be over 40 miles an hour with 21-mile-an-hour sustained winds. The Bills swept the Patriots last year, and I'm sure the Bills have to be thinking, come on, I mean, give us – Give us a year or two or three before you put your dynasty back together. Um, you know, the Patriots, I think right now, are the slightly better team. I think they win tonight. I think the defense is versatile enough to shut down Josh Allen as a passer and account for any running they may try to do. Th- this one should be fun. And uh, the Bills should throw out all the stops because they need to win the division. For them, winning the division is a huge piece in putting themselves in position to win the Super Bowl. They need to win that division. They need the one seed. Look at tonight's weather. They need the one seed. They need the AFC East crown. They need to go all out to try to win this game. No question, Mike. And, you know, last year was their first division title in 25 years. You don't want to just give it right back to the Patriots, right? You want to you want to beat them and show that you're still the king of the division. They did all that talking before last year, and it worked out for them. But now you got to put your – 
your your money where your mouth is yet again this year. And they were 35 and five. The Patriots were against the Bills during. Tom Brady's long run there, and so finally the Bills have the Patriots where they want them, and all of a sudden now the Patriots are, are, the, are the team that right now is leading the division. So this is a big game to me for the Bills, especially being at home. I'm picking the Bills, but what scares me is this win because the Patriots have a better running game. I'm not going to say their running game is great, but it's certainly better than the Bills is. That's been the Bills' problem is the inability to run the ball, and I think tonight you're going to have to run the ball. I see Josh Allen running – Tonight, and if he runs for a lot of yards, they've got a better chance to win than if he throws for a lot. I just don't know that you're, how well you're going to be able to throw in this weather. Look at that win. I, the over-under is 40? Yeah. It should be 32. I'm going under. I think I'm taking the yeah, under. I'm going under. I'm taking the under. Me so too. who do you like to win? I'm going the Bills. I'm going the Bills to win at home. If they don't, it's the Patriots win the division. You were right last week with Washington over Seattle, and I was wrong. So this is my chance to even things up. I, I just think it's a Patriots. <laughs> they have won on average thirty-five to ten over their last six yep. games, all of which were wins. They've gone from yeah. two and four to eight and four, and they have something special going on. And these teams play twice in the month of December. It should be a lot of fun to see how it goes. And it, it just is amazing to me. You know, we're so focused on the back end of the playoff schedule, but. If the Patriots can win this game and position themselves for number one, here's the scenario is if the Bills should win, they would lead the division. But you got a four-way tie at eight and four. If the Patriots win, let's take a look at that and see how it turns out. The Patriots would have the one seed. Now, they uh, have the extra game. They haven't had their bye yet. But the Patriots at nine and four would be in first place for the one seed by a half game. Uh, it, it, It really is fascinating to see all these teams alive not just to get into the playoffs, but to win the one seed. And if the Bills would get the one seed, just like Green Bay in the AFC, in the yeah. NFC, excuse me, Buffalo in the AFC, now that everything goes a week later, the conference championship games, yeah. Sunday, January Great 30, point. the chances of bad weather are even greater than they used to be. And just wait until they have 18 games. And that, that first week in February is the conference championships. Huge, huge night for the Bills. They, they really, really, fake punts, kind of like we saw from Seattle yesterday, just desperation. You have yeah. to hold serve at home against your division rival if you want to get to where you're trying to go. Well, and it is amazing to me, Mike, as much bad weather as they're going to have and have had in past seasons, that their running game isn't better, that they haven't shored that area of their team up. Because it seems to me that's the one area that is holding them back and could hold them back from getting to where they want to get. If, if say, Derrick Henry comes back, I'm going to like the t- Titans' chances to go into Buffalo if that's how it works out and win because it's Derrick Henry. They have a much better running game than what the Bills have. They need to work on that running game in the offseason. Um, absolutely. And uh, it should be a fun night. Stay warm and dry wherever you are unless you're going to be at the game. In that case, layers, hand warmers, <laughs> foot crazy. warmers, and a little flask. Although that, that, it gives you a little short-term warmth, but long-term it just makes you even colder and more dehydrated. So drink alcohol sparingly, even if you're pouring some of it in your hot chocolate. Enjoy the game tonight. I am just getting shivers looking at that, Shireen. Yes. I'm going to get under a blanket, Freezing. and I'm going to set a fire. And I'm going to watch this one and enjoy every watch second. All game. right, thanks to all of you for your time. Great job, Shireen. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.